Hello, and welcome to the Pursuit City Church podcast. Our mission is to lead people to know the love of Jesus Christ. Our prayer is that you will feel encouraged as well as challenged through the Word of God. If you need prayer or want to share your story, please send an email to info at PursuitCC.com. Get ready to enjoy this message. God bless. Introduce Aaron and Stephanie DiMaggio. Give them a big hand this morning. Thank you so much. My husband stayed down. That means I got the platform all to myself. Um, So we are Aaron and Stephanie DiMaggio, just like Pastor said. Uh, We have two kids. We've got a five-year-old daughter named Malia, and I have a one-year-old tiny hurricane named Micah. Um, And they are amazing, and uh, we're just so thankful for what God is doing, not only in our lives, but in Kenya. We have served in Kenya. This January will actually make 11 years. Uh, We're a lot older than you think. Okay, I'm a lot older than you think, Um, (laughs) but we have been there for almost 11 years, and um, we knew we needed two things. We needed the Holy Spirit, and we needed experience, and we had the Holy Spirit guiding us, but we lacked the experience, and so the Lord led us to intern beneath seasoned missionaries who had been serving on the field in Africa uh, there in Kenya for several years, and so we went, interned with them, got our feet wet, learned the culture, learned learned the language. Uh, We know enough to get us in trouble, not always out of trouble. Um, And so we just submerged ourselves in the culture there in Kenya. And um, in 2015, we stepped out and started our own ministry. We are called Kufikia International. Kufikia is a Swahili word, which actually means reach. So we are Reach International. And man, God is just doing an incredible work there in Kenya. Um, About 10 years ago, while I was interning beneath that ministry, we encountered an, an elderly man. And we would go village to village, and we would preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we encountered this elderly man, and he looked at us with just such intensity in his face. And he said, if what you're telling me is true, what took you so long to come and tell me? He had never, ever heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. We can come to church every single Sunday and hear the gospel preached, but he had never encountered the gospel of Jesus Christ, not even once in his entire lifetime. And he said, I've had, I've had sons, I've had grandkids that have come and they've died and they've never heard the gospel. What took you so long? And a burden was just placed within our hearts and we said, we've got to go. Whatever we do for the kingdom, we've got to do it quickly. And so we made it our life's mission to go and reach the unreached. And we're finding people that have never heard the gospel. They're still offering sacrifices to God to try to find favor with God because they know that God exists, but they don't know that God had a son named Jesus who paid the ultimate sacrifice. And so they're offering sacrifices, and we stopped and we said, why are you offering these sacrifices? And they said, because I'm trying to gain favor with God. I want to gain favor with him. And they've never heard the gospel, the living truth. Just this past year in 2019, we, so in 2015, we bought 50 acres of land. God opened the door. He led us to 50 acres of land there in Africa. And we bought that 50 acres, and we've been just, we put a well, a fence. We built a house, a place for teams to come. Y'all need to come to Africa, by the way. And we, in 2019, we were going over the mountain, and we found an entire community. And as I'm preaching and, and sharing the gospel, this old man is looking at me with this look on his face. 
And I'm like, is it because I'm short? Is it because I'm white? Like, why is he looking at me like this? And then he stops me and he says, I've never heard this news that you're telling me. And it dawned on me that they had never heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. That year in 2019, we found over 800 people that had never heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. We would go to their village in tongues, we would preach the gospel, and they were encountering, encountering the Holy Spirit, and with the evidence of speaking in tongues, they were falling out in the Holy Spirit, not because they saw it on TV, not because they came to a church service and experienced it firsthand, but because they had a genuine encounter with a living God. God is moving in Africa. God, and look, you don't do a courtesy fall in Africa. Like, there's no courtesy fall there. There are thorns, there is cow poop, there is sheep poop, there is everything poop. You don't courtesy fall there. It's a genuine encounter with God. He is on the move, and we're just so excited about what God is doing there. Uh, our plan for 2020, we're going to be building a church in that community because right now they are meeting beneath the tree and just reading the Word of God because that's all they've got. And so we're going to be building a church. We're going to be drilling a well so that they have fresh, clean water. Uh, God is on the move, but one of the other things we do is we work with street kids. These are seven, eight, nine-year-olds addicted to drugs. Addicted to drugs, they mix a uh, mixture of shoe glue, like whenever your shoe comes off, you put the glue on the bottom. They mix shoe glue and kerosene. And in, in the city, they're getting their hands on jet fuel, and they're mixing it, and they huff it, and they are in a constant state of, of just high all the time. And these are seven, eight, nine-year-old kids that are living on the street, homeless. Every situation is different. Every circumstance is different. Some of them, their parents have died. Some of them, they ran away from home due to abusive situations. But whatever the situation is, they are living homeless on the street, addicted to drugs. And in 2014, we met a young boy named Otiano. And Otiano changed my life. Living on the streets, addicted to drugs. And it wasn't by choice. He ended up there. His parents died. He was in boarding school. He, the school fees weren't getting paid, and so they sent him out because his school fees weren't getting paid. He couldn't stay in school, and he knew nobody in the community because he was away from home, and he, he ended up abandoned on the streets and addicted to drugs because he was hungry, and, that, and the drugs just filled that void of hunger in his life. And, and, and Aaron was talking to him, and we were doing an open-air crusade, and, and he came up, and he was asking for food. And so Aaron began to talk to him, and we had to get a really good translator because they, they're from different tribes, and each tribe has their own language. And so whenever they're living on the street, in order to communicate, they kind of mix all their languages together so that everybody can kind of understand everything. And so we found a really good translator, and, and we grew to love Otiano. And we would go, and we would feed him, we would love on him. And he asked to go back to school, and so we put him in an adult education. And through the withdrawals of, of getting off of those drugs, he was shaking. I've got video. I wish I could show you. I've got video. He was shaking and learning how to write his name. We got him new clothes and dressed up, and he would walk to school. And one day his grandmother, unbeknownst to him, was driving through the, the, the town on, in a taxi, and she saw a young boy that looked like her grandson. And she stopped the taxi and she went. And she caught us weeping and crying. And she said, I didn't know where he was. I thought he was dead. We couldn't find him. The teachers didn't know where he had gone. And we thought he was dead all these years. And she asked to take him home. And 
to this day, he loves Jesus. He's off the drugs. He's, he's reconnected with his family. And that's why we do what we do. There are over 300,000 boys just like that living on the streets in Kenya. There's not as many girls because many of them are taken into sex trafficking and different things like that. And so God has just put a, a burden within our hearts to bring change to that situation. So we're reaching the unreached. We're reaching these boys that are on the streets, addicted to drugs, and God is on the move. But we couldn't do what we without you guys praying us through and your love and your support. So, Pastor, thank you so much for being willing to say yes to missions and for casting the vision to your church. Thank you for making a difference in Africa because you guys are taking a part in what God is doing in Africa, and we couldn't do it without y'all. I know my, my, my husband, amen. Thank y'all. My husband's got a word from the Lord. I'm going to invite him up. But thank you guys so much for having us this morning. Um, it's going to be good. Come on, babe. Praise God, church. Praise God, church. Hey, yeah, thank you guys so, so much. Like Stephanie said, I want to echo that because let me tell you something. When you continue to give to missions, it means you continue to believe that God has a mission for the world. All right? That's you sowing seed in something you believe in because you believe that God has a purpose to reach the unreached. Right? That you believe that God wants those people who've never heard the gospel to hear the gospel. Right? The Bible says he's patient, waiting all, for all of us to come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. He loves every single person. Otiano has the exact same value as me and you. That God has a purpose for his life. He has a purpose for the children on the streets of Africa, for the people in the villages and the mud huts. He has a purpose for the people in New York City, in Beijing, China, in Iran, and right down the street in Corpus Christi. God has a purpose for people's lives. Amen. Amen. Don't you know the same price was paid for each and every one of them? The exact same price was paid. That we would all be saved. All of us. That propitiation, that blood of Jesus Christ was for each and every one of us. Amen. So thank you for giving to missions. But today I hope, I pray your heart is stirred. I pray your conscience is cut deeply that you would be all, all throughout every day in the coming weeks and the coming days of your life to the end of your life. You would remember that that purpose is yours alone. Yours. Your purpose in life. See, Jesus didn't give us a command for specific people. He didn't give this command for certain people in the church. He didn't give this command just to me, just to your pastor, or just to my wife, or just for people of a certain education, certain background, certain race. None of that matters in the kingdom of heaven. For he said, all have sinned. And he said, Jesus died once for all. And when he spoke... When he spoke to all those gathered there before the ascension, he didn't say, hey, you go tell them. No, he said, all of you go into all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. And make disciples. Come on. Each and every one of us has been called, saved, and commissioned equally. Yet many of, us, many of us, and I mean many, many, many of us, we don't give to missions. And I'm not just talking about money. I'm talking about your life. That command, that's the ultimate mandate, all right? Okay, the ultimate mandate was from Jesus Christ when he commissioned each and every one of us to live on purpose, to live in a mission, to live sold out. Amen. Amen. That's what I want to talk to you today uh, about. 
Let me get my notes up. Praise the Lord. Let's pray. Father, I pray that we would just dwell in your presence here in this service, Father, that it would be our natural stasis, our natural state of being. We were designed, we were destined, we were created to be in relationship with you, Father. Lord, I pray your Holy Spirit fill this room. Every person here, every heart, every person watching on live, uh, Facebook there, Father, I pray you would touch our hearts, that you, Holy Spirit, Lord, no one comes to the Father unless the Spirit draws them. So Holy Spirit, draw each and every one of us closer to you, closer and step with your spirit. Like it says in Galatians 5.25, that if we walk by the spirit, we would walk and step with the Holy Spirit, that God, you would touch our hearts to walk and step with you without our lives, throughout our entire lives. We would walk according to the Holy Spirit, remembering that you have a plan for us, that we would make the most of every opportunity to share the love of Jesus Christ, to invest in missions, not just financially, but in every opportunity, giving a reason for the hope that we have, the hope that the world doesn't have, the light in our hearts that comes from your word, alive in each and every one of us, we would share it, almighty God. Stir that up in our hearts, O God, this day in this service, O Lord. We love you and we serve you, Father. Jesus, in your mighty name, amen. 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 Hey, guys. Yeah, come on. Hallelujah. Hey, I know y'all have been talking about value systems these important, basic, fundamental values and, and the way those systems flow in this church and these important fundamental truths. And these are very important things, things like community. I want to talk discipleship, multiplication, transformation. Amen. And ultimately, that's what I want to talk to you about today is how these things apply to missions. One of the most fundamental things here in this church your pastor has been sharing with me is missions. It's a fundamental truth, and we want to share everything that you guys are learning. You're learning about community. Well, that community is more than just within these walls. Discipleship, that's more than just discipling the person next to you. That's more than just being discipled by your pastor. That's you using that next fundamental truth of multiplication to bring that transformation into people's lives. You know what the next step is? After realizing you're part of a community, you're part of the body of Christ, of, of being discipled and then learning how to multiply that around, then you're seeing that transformation in your life and in the lives of other people. It's meant to be shared. Yeah. It's meant to be given throughout the entire world. Judea, Samaria, the utter ends of the earth. And when you give to that, not just financially, but give your life to something like that, you will find a purpose. You will find a zeal, a zealous love for the presence of God like you've never felt before in your life. He is so close to those people who carry the gospel of Jesus Christ in their daily walk. Amen. Because it means you're mindful of everything God has done in your life. Amen. God wants to do something both in your life and through your life. Hallelujah. We are his hands and feet to the nations. Amen. Amen. Praise God. So today I want to talk to you about how God can use anyone to share the love of Jesus Christ. There is a, a, a wonderful story found in chapter 7 of uh, 2 Kings. And in this story, God uses lepers. Lepers. Now, lepers were considered the most outcast, lowest class of society in their day. Did you know, while lepers were still alive, once they had contracted leprosy, their families would often have funerals for them while they were still alive, showing that they were no longer part of their life, they were no longer recognized as part of the family, that to them they were literally dead. 
When they walked down the street, it was worse than coronavirus. People, coronavirus, I mean, they'd have to say, leper, leper, and people would get out of the way. I'm talking social distancing to the max. They had to have literal outside the city gates is where they had to live. These people were considered unclean in every sense of the way. They lived off the scraps of other people, and nobody would touch them. They couldn't get a job. They weren't allowed to even be part of society. In the world's eyes of that day, they could not be used. This is, this is crazy. This is, so, this is so fundamentally important right here. They could not be used or part of worship. They couldn't be used in ministry. They couldn't be used in the, in the synagogue, in the church service, so to speak. They couldn't be used. They couldn't be part of it. Can you imagine that? You can, I'm sorry, but you, you can't be part of this. You can't be part of worshiping Jesus. You're not good enough. That's what they were told. That's who lepers were. But let me tell you something. God has a habit throughout the entire Bible of using the lowest and the least of these for using the outcast, for using the one who's the lowest in the, from the lowest tribe, the lowest family in that tribe. He was the lowest son in that family. And he goes around slaying giants and taking kingdoms over. Let me tell you something. God can use a donkey. He can speak through me too. God can do anything through anyone at any time. And it doesn't matter your background, your fear, your history, your anxiety God is able let me tell you something the most fundamental key to the kingdom is humility humility when you realize you're not good enough you're not big enough you're not smart enough you're not that I have it is only the truth that comes through the word of God made alive by the Holy Spirit moving in my life that I have any ability to stand up here and speak to you I'm dysgraphic dyslexic I got ADHD I am not supposed to be the one up here talking to you You know I stuttered as a kid I am not like Moses come on man but Jesus can use anybody and matter of fact I know he prefers to use the least of these you see it all throughout scripture all throughout scripture where God is using nobody to do something incredible, using fishermen, the sons of thunder. Really? You don't get the nickname sons of thunder by being super cordial and churchy, okay? And God uses them to take cities from devils, to turn the world upside down is what it said in the book of Acts. Praise God. Don't tell me he can't use you. I don't know. It doesn't matter what you've done, what you've been through. God can use you. The Amazing Grace. We've all heard their story. The song Amazing Grace was written by a, a former slave trader. Right? Chief of sinners, but my God is a greater Savior. Amen. So here we are in chapter 7. We have uh, the city of Samaria. Now, it's been quarantined, so to speak, forcibly by the, 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 the evil nations that are coming against them. It's this king, and his name is Ben-Hadid. Say Ben-Hadid. Ben-Hadid had already conquered over 50 other city-states, conquered them, absorbed their armies, uh, taken their kings as slaves, and used these armies to then, it's like the game blob. You know, when you do the tag thing, it becomes bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger, and pretty soon you can't escape because it's in a whole phalanx of, of people, right? Well, imagine that, but in city size. This nation had grown so large, had become so absorbed with so many armies, it literally was able to surround the city of Samaria and lay siege to them. The siege became so bad because of the king Ben-Hadid who had come against the people of God who were finding refuge behind the walls in Samaria that famine broke out there uh, in the city. The Bible actually says this, the, the famine was so bad 
that the head of an unclean animal that, that religiously they weren't supposed to eat was selling for its weight in silver. They were so hungry. They were so destitute. They turned to cannibalism. These people were dying of sicknesses. They were dying of starvation. They were dying because of the siege. They were utterly surrounded. And out there they could see the smoke rising from these tents. And these tents, these ar this army that had come against them was extremely well supplied. It had chariots, horses, camels, weapons of war, swords, spears, shields. They had gold. They had money. They had everything they needed, even time. Time to wait out the city of Samaria and let them starve to death. But let me tell you something. <laughs> the darkest of nights, God is stirring and he's going to do something amazing. The famine in the city was so absolutely horrible, they had turned to the point of cannibalism. But some people began to pray and prophesy. The king was found on the wall with sackcloth and ashes underneath, and he began to pray and call out to God in the darkest hour. And the prophet began to speak that by this time tomorrow, everything will change. Many of us have been in that dark hour. Many of us have felt like our prayers are unheard, like they're hitting the ceiling and going no farther. That's why it's so important to remember to never doubt in the dark what God has spoken in the light of his word. Every promise he has spoken in his word is yes and amen. Not a dot, not a tittle, not a little dot above the eye, not a single stroke will pass away from the word of God. His promises are true, and even when you don't see it, he always comes through. That's right. Do not doubt in the dark what God has spoken in the light. Amen. Yeah. Amen. Come on. Let me tell you something. Our country is exactly, exactly like that city. Exactly like that city. Many of us, we feel and have felt this great siege in our community, in our nation, and even around the world. And there's so many things in society today waiting to take us down, laying siege to our hearts and minds. So many things on social media, so many situations in life, coronavirus, loss of jobs, people being hungry, people suffering, people dealing with sickness, people dealing with poverty, people dealing with social economic problems, and all these things going on with the election and stress and, and, and things on social media and stress and we start stressing about this and stressing about that and so many people feel like their life is under siege feel like they're completely surrounded by darkness like everywhere they turn there's the enemy and every outlet in their mind on tv on their phone in their in their own house and in their own families they feel like everything is in turmoil like they're grasping at straws and there's no hope let me tell you something there is no darkness that can stop a single candle. And the world is just absent of the light, the very light that is in each and every one of us. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14 through 16, But thanks be to God who in Christ always leads us in triumphal procession and through us spreads the fragrance of the knowledge of him everywhere. For we are the aroma of Christ God among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing to one, a fragrance from death to death, and to others, a fragrance from life. Who is sufficient for all these things? Let me tell you something. The Bible specifically tells us that we are called to be the light of the world, right? The salt of the earth and the fragrance of Christ's presence throughout the world. 
We're supposed to be so distinctly different from the world. Look, when the world is hopeless, we're supposed to be hopeful. The world, it is their natural place to be afraid. It is so normal for the world to live in fear. It is not normal for you to live in fear. It is not normal for you to live in anxiety. It is normal for you to live in power. It is normal for you to live in purpose. It is normal for you to have a hope that surpasses understandings. Like it says in Hebrews, we have this hope that is an anchor to our soul that goes beyond the veil. That hope is Jesus Christ, that he's already bought and paid for, that he is sufficient for everything. That we have a hope that goes beyond what we can see. That veil, that veil is beyond what you see. Beyond what I see in the natural, I know that Jesus Christ has already conquered it all. We are supposed to be that to the world. We are supposed to be evidence of that to the world. They should taste it. They should smell it all. They should smell the presence of God on your life. They should see it. When you you walk past and they should say, something is different about that guy. Something is different about that young lady. They have the presence of God on their life. Amen. It should be so apparent when everyone else is, is, is crushed by the situations of life, when everyone else is distracted by so many things, we find ourselves at peace in the storm because we have an anchor. You see, we have an anchor and so many of them, they're in this storm and they don't have an anchor. Their boat is just being tossed by the waves. Their life is just being rocked by situation after situation after 2020, after this, after that. But we have an anchor when they don't. In 1 Peter chapter 3 verse 15, look at this. But in your hearts... Honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for the reason, the reason for the hope in your life, the reason that you have peace. Can you defend that? Better yet, is there evidence that you have hope? Is it apparent to the people around you? It should be so evident. They should be asking you about it. They should be asking you why you have peace. They should be asking you why you have joy. They should be asking you why you weather the storm. What is your anchor is what they should be asking you. And I want to ask you this. What would keep you from sharing what God has done in your life? After all, the Bible says by the blood of the Lamb, hallelujah, and the word of your testimony. The word of your testimony. Thank God it's by the blood of the Lamb and not my blood. He did the hard part. He did the hard part. Your part is easy. Your testimony. You sharing and speaking. You speaking and showing that light to the world. It pushes back the darkness in people's lives. It opens the door for the Holy Spirit to do a work that nothing else and no one else can do. And we see it right there. Everything we fight against, everything that resists us, Jesus has already beaten. We see it in Ephesians chapter 1 verse 20. That he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand of the heavenly places. Far above all rule, all rule, all authority, all power and dominion. And above every name that is named, not only in this age, but in the age that is to come. And put all things under his feet. And then right there, there's just a few chapters later, it says in 6.12, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against rulers, authorities, cosmic powers in the present darkness and spiritual things all those places but right there in 1 verse 20 it says he already ruled over all those things 
All those things you wrestle against in life, he's already king of. All those things that come against you, he's already defeated. Everything that comes against your life and you think might take you down, Jesus already bought and paid for you. He already paved the way and there's no darkness that can come against you that Jesus didn't already beat. That's not already under his feet. Amen. He already took care of it all. Your next step is to bring that truth to somebody else. Come on. I'm telling you, have faith in God because he can do absolutely anything through anyone at any time. Often his breakthrough comes when you wouldn't expect it. And it often comes from the place you would say is impossible. Amen. Amen? Let me tell you something. The end of you is where God picks up. And that's why his power is made perfect in our weakness. Because he can just pick up the slack sooner. Let go and let God. Let me tell you something really powerful. This is some, if you're taking notes, write this down. God reserves his power for those who have given up their own. Let's say it again. God reserves his power for those who have given up their own. Because it is not by power. It is not by strength, but it is by his Holy Spirit. It is by the mighty spirit of God that comes on our life that we're able to see miracles happen, to see people saved, to see people people get breakthrough in their life, healing in their life in Jesus' mighty name. It's this great paradox where you can get beauty for ashes, joy for sorrow, healing for sickness, life from his temporary death, victory when it looks like defeat is inevitable. And he is so powerful, he can use anyone humble to get any of his work done worldwide. Worldwide, come on, man. Woo! After all, he can use lepers in this hopeless situation. We see that in 2 Kings verse, uh, chapter 7, where God takes for leprous situation and turns it around to hopeful, full of hope. These four lepers find themselves sitting at the gate, and they begin to say to one another, if we stay here, we will die, the first to die. <laughs> if we sit here at the gate, if we go into the city, the famine is there, And honestly, they're lepers. Who's going to give from the little that they have to lepers? Surely we'll die. If we stay here, we will die. If we go in there, we will die. And one of them says to another, but if we go to the Sumerians, we're so low, we're so useless, we're such garbage, maybe they'll have pity on us and let us live. After all, we're just lepers. What, What will they have in killing us? Talk about a hopeless situation. I'm going to die. I'm going to die. Maybe they'll think I'm so pathetic they won't kill me. That's where these guys are. And so they decide in the evening that they're going to walk across the expanse from the gate to the encampment of the the people that were there, Ben Haddad's army. They think they're going to walk across and see if maybe they'll let them live. (laughs) But you see in the night, the mighty spirit of God and all his angels had stirred up such a great and mighty noise that the evil king Ben Haddad and all his army believed that, the, that the, the people of God had hired the Egyptians and the Hittites to come and fight against them. And they heard such a great, terrible, clanging noise that sounded like chariots and weapons of war that they took off running. And when I say they took off running, they dropped their cloak, they dropped their sword, they dropped the provision, they dropped their money, they dropped their gold, they left the food on the pot, and they, they peeled out of there. Come on, man, it took off. And everything that was there to be a defeat of the people of God became provision. Everything that was there that was meant to be their defeat became the provision of God for his people. 
What? Come on, man. <sighs> There's two things we learn from these lepers. Number one, it's the day of good news. You see, they came to the tents and they found food on the pot. They found gold. They found silver. They found weapons. And the Bible says that the, the lepers began to pick these things up, take them off to their leper colony, and they were hiding these things. They were burying them. They were keeping them. They were storing them up, right? They were storing these things up. So many of us, that's exactly what we're doing with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Man, we're hearing these great truths. We're hearing these wonderful things about how God loves you, how he cares for you. You've seen him do miracles in your life. You've seen with great power of God and the presence of God in your life and you're just hoarding it in your life you're just burying it away in your heart don't get me wrong that's great do that and then one leper says to the others guys what we're doing is is evil what we're doing is a sin surely if the light of day comes and we have not shared this good news something terrible will happen to us the Bible says, work while it is day because the night is coming. It, 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 and the Bible speaks about how the end is coming and we are the ones who are supposed to be sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. But many of us, instead of sharing the love of Jesus, instead of testifying, giving truth and sharing what Jesus has done, the word of your testimony, instead of giving it out, you're keeping it in. Yeah. That's not good. So the first lesson we need to know is that today is the day of good news. And the second is... That good news is meant to be shared. Yeah. The Bible says that one said to the other, this is the day of good news. And if we don't share it, something bad is going to happen. And so they went and told the king. They went and told the people at the gate. And God used lepers to find out a truth that everyone else was too scared to go and see. To see that God had done something great. He used the lowest, the least, the most unlikely people to find out that the siege is over. So many people think the siege is still on. So many people don't know that their freedom has already been paid for. So many people around the world have no idea that there is hope for them. There's so many people who even here in America who have heard of Jesus but don't understand it. So many people who have never seen the gospel can be. How life-changing it can be. The fact that we have hope. The fact that we have peace, the fact that we have power, that God wants to move in our lives. And this truth is something that each and every one of us have. Each and every one of us see. And we're so cool, we're so keen to take these things and give it out to people, but only in a certain way. Maybe we'll, we'll take food and we'll be part of this incredible You Matter feast. Awesome, awesome. But you know what this is? It's an opportunity for you to be the light of Jesus Christ. Of course, the Bible says, what good is it if you say to your brother who is in need, go, be warm and well fed. And if you do nothing for his, his needs, what good is that? That is so true. But what about those people you're doing good for and you're not telling them about Jesus Christ? Let me tell you something. You can go to heaven hungry. You can go to heaven poor. You can go to heaven sick. You can't go to heaven without Jesus. Do good for people. But that doing good is the opportunity for you to share the love of Jesus Christ. And that gives you an open door. Because I'm telling you, when somebody does something nice for me, I want to know why. I want to know the reason. 
I want to see, I want to understand the purpose behind their kindness. Our kindness isn't empty. Our kindness is a purpose. Our kindness is a purpose that opens a door for the Holy Spirit to move in power in people's lives. Yes, serve, love, disciple people here in the church, and then be an outreach to people and realize that you were called to be on mission. Don't you know there's 31 unreached people groups just in Africa? I'm not talking about around the whole world, Pastor. In Africa alone, there is over 30 unreached people groups, people who have never heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. There are nations in the Middle East that are 100% Muslim. Access to the gospel is virtually zero. There are more people martyred for the gospel of Jesus Christ in the last 10 years than in the 400 years before that. Christianity is one of the most persecuted religions. It is the most persecuted religion around the world. There are nations here on this world that desperately need to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. And the truth is, there are people here in the United States, there are people right down the street that don't understand the siege has been lifted. So again, this is the day of good news, and God wants you to make it known. Jesus did not pay for half of your life. He's not leasing your Sundays, and he's called you to make a difference around the world. You need to be obviously Christian. You see, Jesus gave you a mandate to go into all the world, all the world and make disciples. Like Stephanie was saying about that old man. What's so incredible about that story, maybe you, maybe you were listening, maybe you weren't listening, but she shared about this old man in the village who heard the gospel for the first time. And we had told him, we had shared with him that if you haven't accepted Jesus Christ, then when you die, you're separated from God. We weren't holding it back. We were telling the truth, right? But you know what that means? That means every person he knew that died already because he was old, really old, he understood that those people had never heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. What about them? What about his family members who had passed away? And so now he has this truth, and you can see this perplexity in his mind. He's like, if it's true that God loves me, and, and, and you were the one who was supposed to come and tell us, what took you so long to come and tell us? Because there's people dying all over the world that have never heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. There's people in desperate need of the gospel. You know, I hear people argue in churches and they have this dispute and, 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 and it's like, you know, pre-trib, post-trib, Jesus is coming then, he's coming now, and they talk about all this tribulation and these things to come. And you know what I tell them? You know what I tell them this is what I tell them. There's people going through everything talked about in the tribulation right now all around the world. Yeah. And what are you doing about it? What are you doing to reach those people, to provide for their needs, to sow into their life so that you can tell them what Jesus Christ has done for them? The devil would love, and I mean the devil would love. He would absolutely love for you to hear what I'm saying, feel emotionally charged, and do, do nothing. He would love for you to be like those other three lepers. They didn't say anything. They was just taking it all in, feeling the love and the joy of God, and then being totally useless outside of that camp. The devil would love that. He would love for you to feel emotionally charged right now and then change nothing about your life. 
change nothing about the purpose of your life. To say, wow, what a good man. Stephanie really spoke and shared about missions and her husband got up and that dude was hyperactive. And, and then you leave this place and you don't do anything. You don't change anything about your life. You don't share the love of Jesus. You don't tell anyone anything. And you're just like those other three lepers who don't say, hey, the end is near and this is the day of good news. If we don't do something, if we don't share something, if we don't say something, something bad is going to happen to us. Something bad is going to happen to us. They, he realized, that one leper realized, number one, these two lessons, that this is the day of good news. And number two, it must be shared. It must be shared. If you guys could come up and, and start to play. The devil doesn't care if you're moved by emotions and don't change. He doesn't want you moved in power where you start reaching the world. The Maasai, they, um, and the people there in Kenya, they love to, they love to cook. They, they love to cook this meal. It's called nyama choma. It's like this barbecue, right? And, 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 and the way they do it is they cook grilled meat over an open fire. And you know, the thing is about grilling, I know a lot of people here in Texas, barbecue is like a big deal, right? Barbecue is a big deal. And here's the thing, though. So many of us, we allow life's problems, we allow life's situations, and, and just like in the Bible where ashes represent sin, ashes represent all those things. That's why ashes in the Old Testament, they would dump them outside of the encampment of the people of Israel. is because they represented sin, this separation between us and God. And as those ashes build up on the coals, you see the Maasai stoke the fire, they shake the fire, they blow on the fire, they fan the fire, just like you do when you barbecue, to get those ashes off and get that fire going again. I mean, there's a verse in, 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 in when he's writing to Timothy, and he says, fan that fire into a flame, fan that passion, feed that fire, stoke that fire up. Amen. Well, how many of us have allowed the, the ashes of coronavirus have allowed the, the ashes and the distractions of you losing your job, the ashes and the, and the pain and the suffering of, of, of your medical situations or, or the situations in your family or the suffering in your life or, or things that you faced in your childhood and all these things to cake up on the passion in your heart. And you've let that fire grow cold. You know this truth, and you know that God loves you, and you know that he's, he's, he's done something incredible for your life, and, and he's paid for your life, and, and you come to church, but you never really allow the presence of God to breathe on your life, to stoke that fire up again, to encourage you to live in his presence again, and instead you come and you see other people on fire for God, and, and, and you hear these sermons, and it's just like those lepers. You're stacking it up, and you're stacking it up, but it's not really changing your life it's not really being effective in your life as long as you're not allowing God to really move in your life as long as you have things walled off in your heart as long as you're carrying that offense as long as you're carrying those wounds as long as you aren't fully submitted and I'm talking fully submitted and on fire for God how is he going to use you to reach other people how is he going to use you to reach the world, to reach the lost, when your life is self-absorbed and it's all about you, your problems instead of your God, freedom, your missions instead of your Savior, your sufferings instead of your freedom, your pain instead of your purpose.
I'm telling you, you need to shake every ash off of your life. Every ash, every burden, you bring it to Jesus Christ. The Bible says he cares for you. If you would bring those things and lay them at the feet of Jesus, lay them at the foot of the cross, he would stir up a fire in your life. I'm telling you, there is no one, no one in this room, no one watching live on Facebook that God doesn't have a purpose for, that God doesn't want to move in power. I said it before and I say it again. They live in fear and that's normal. That's their new normal. My normal is the book of Acts. My normal is the power of God moving in my life. That's your normal. That's your normal. That's your normal. I don't want to go back to 2019 normal. I want to go to the book of Acts normal where God uses Stephen and Philip who were just, just young men. They were just young men who loved God and they were taking orders from widows and orphans and passing out things to the needy and, and, and putting on the, the, the You Matter feast. That's all they did. That's all that they were supposed to be doing. And then persecution breaks out, suffering breaks out, and they don't know why. They don't know what, but they know that God has a plan and everywhere they went, they spoke in truth. And I don't know if you're going to be martyred for it, and I don't know if God's going to break out in Judea and see the world set on fire again. But I'm telling you, if He can use them, He can use you. God wants to stir in your life. The Holy Spirit is longing to be in your life. It is supposed to be normal for you to walk in power. It is supposed to be normal for you to live in purpose, to live in the very presence of God. It is your natural place of being. How many of you here today would say you've never even been there? That you've never even accepted Jesus Christ as Lord of your life? I never know who's here who's watching online, but maybe you're one of those people and you're saying, I need to get right with Jesus. I need to get right with Jesus. I need to to accept Jesus as Lord of my life. If you're watching online, type it. Say, I need it. I need to connect. I need somebody to walk me through this. If you're here in this room, oh, I want you to come up. I want you to come up and say, I need to get my life right with Jesus. If you're here in this room, and maybe you've been saved for a long time, but you're here and you're saying, look, look, things in my life have covered the, the, the coals in my life. They've gotten ashy. I need that shaking. I need that stirring. I need to feel that drawing again. I need to feel that closeness with God again. I need the power. I need to go back to normal. The book of Acts normal. Yeah. If that's you here in this place, if you need salvation, if you need that shaking, you need that stirring, you want to go deeper with God, If you want to believe and pray, if God has pricked your heart and you realize that you've been living not on mission and you need to get on mission, then come on up here. I'm going to pray for you. I'm not going to wait a long time, but I'm going to pray for anybody who comes up. Anyone who comes up, I'm going to pray for you. If you're sick in your body and you need healing, if you have sick family members and they need healing, I serve a miracle-working God. I serve a breakthrough God. I serve a God who's the same yesterday, today, and forever. That's why the book of Acts is normal. That's why the book of Acts is normal. You want some of that? Come on up. Come on up. I see one, two here ready to be prayed for. If there's anybody else and you're believing that you want God to move in your life, you need healing. You need deliverance. You need to be prayed for. I'll come find you in the back. Just just stand up and raise your hand. I'll pray with you. I want to see God move in your life. Praise God. Praise God, church. As as you guys just begin to pray and, and worship. Thank you for joining us this week. Our vision is to plant churches that are life-changing. 
If you would like to support our ministry, you can easily do so by visiting our website, PursuitCC.com. Also, follow us on all social media outlets by using at PursuitCC. Thank you and God bless.